Hey guys, welcome back to As For Me In My House. Melina Cicciotti here. And Jordan here. <laughs> Today we are doing a Q&A. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret. This is our second time recording it. We had about five minutes left of our last recording and our computer decides to stop working. It literally stopped. Like I could still click on things, but I could not exit out of Windows or pull up my notes or anything like that or stop the recording when we were done. So I literally had to resort to, oh, and the force quit wouldn't work, by the way. So I had to resort to pulling the plug out of the back and resetting everything. So that's lovely. But here we are doing our second one. Honestly, I don't mind at all because I feel like for a couple of minutes, anytime we record a podcast, it takes us a minute to warm up get used to things so the fact that we just kind of basically recorded one now we're warmed up for this one a few 45 minutes sure (laughs) it's okay though so we asked you guys some questions on ig story and we are going to be answering them today so you guys had really thoughtful sweet genuine questions um we always try to pick questions that get brought up by multiple people we tried to get some juicy ones we tried to get some advice ones we tried to be very selective like just covering a lot of different topics yes yeah all right first question have you found a home church yes next question (laughs) (laughs) just kidding so um on my youtube channel probably about what nine months ago it's been a long time we talked about how we were actually searching for a new church so the church that jordan i used to go to We both were raised in that church. I started going there when I was three. I think Jordan, the same thing. We had been there for a very long time. It's the only church we've ever been to. And once we got pregnant with Alethea and we were bringing a child into this world, we really started to think like, okay, we wanted to be intentional about what we're doing. So we want to make sure that the church we're going to is the church that the Lord wants us to go to, not just because we've been there for so long. Because we're comfortable there and all that. Yeah. So there was a period where we were church hunting I guess you could say, and we mentioned it to you guys. Um, a lot of you asked, like, oh, did the church do something wrong? Like, is there something? Nothing happened. There's no no tea to spill, guys. I wish there was. No, I don't wish there was. But I'm saying there's no, none, there's no juicy answers for this. We really just wanted to be obedient to the Lord. And we're happy to say that we got called back to going to that church. So some of you might be like, okay, that was dumb. Like, what a waste of time. But to us, we it verified and was good thing for us because we were able to see that that is where the Lord was calling us and we weren't there just because we're comfortable or because we know people or that's just where things are cozy and fuzzy. It's because where the Lord actually wanted us. So well said. Long story short. Yes, we did. Next question. Whatever happened to you all going to Africa? Was the cruise in place of that? Yes, the cruise was in place of that. We, (laughs) we, you know, the Lord called us to Africa and we said, we don't want to spend time with all these children in, in poverty and share the gospel and love on them and encourage them. We'd rather just take a family cruise to the Caribbean. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We are still going to Africa. So, honey, yeah. do you want to explain well, a little of that? Yeah. So we'll fill you guys in. Um, Compassion International reached out to us. Um, but before they even reached out to us, we have been sponsoring children through them way before I even started YouTube, way before any of this started that has always been our favorite um, organization to sponsor children through. So they reached out to us and said that they would like to take us to Africa. And we were so excited. But at the time that they asked us, we didn't know I was pregnant. Um, And then once we did find out we were pregnant, um, we were supposed to be going the first week of January 
And if you guys recall, the first week of January was when I ended up in the hospital for three days. So we're very thankful that we didn't end up going because I just had a lot of complications. And I think going to Africa would obviously have made it a lot more complicated. I probably wouldn't have been able to get like the blood transfusions I need to get and all of that. So um, we decided to postpone it for my pregnancy and for my health. Um, but once baby boy's here, we will be going. We definitely want to be going. Yeah, hopefully later this year in 2020. Yes. Is yeah. the goal like fall 2020. Yeah. So the cruise wasn't in lieu of it. The cruise was planned and something we were going to do anyway. Yeah. But if you guys aren't familiar with Compassion International, they are an organization that you can go through to sponsor children. Jordan and I have sponsored many kids through them. And our favorite thing about them is not only do they help kids with their physical needs, but also with their spiritual needs. So they will come to them and share the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So I think that is the most important thing. So we do have a link and we'll leave it down below. We're not getting paid to do this. This is not nothing money driven for us to do this. We just genuinely have such a heart for children um, and sponsoring them. We think it's so cool. And I've done this since I was like 10 years old. There was a girl that my family sponsored. I was really young and we sponsored her until she was 18 and out of the program, but it's always something that we've done. So we think it's amazing. Um, if you guys don't already have some sponsors, we definitely want to encourage you guys to nine kids have already been sponsored by you guys, which is so cool. Nine children's lives are forever changed because of your generosity. So we think that is so amazing. So we will leave a link down below that will like bring you onto a landing page um, that you can pick children from. But one thing that Jordan and I love to do is just a little tip, little hack. Um, when we go to sponsor another child, we always love to go to the filters and we always get a child that has been in the program for over a year and the reason we do this is because as much as obviously we want to sponsor as many kids as we ever want like I wish we could sponsor all of them um, most of the time and it's really sad but people will go on and get the cute babies they'll like just look at pictures and be like oh I like this one because he's cute or I like this name and we really want to sponsor kids who have been there for a long time. like Or in high-risk areas, right? Yes, like yeah. AIDS is very prominent in a lot of places, so they have people there, boots on the ground, that need to help these kids mm -hmm. because a lot of them like don't see it past four or five years old in some areas. So yes. if they can get yeah. into the sponsorship program and get the health care and the medical care that they need, mm -hmm. they can overcome those odds and raise that, you know? Yes. So we'll leave that down below in the description for you guys. But uh, next question. Best way to move in together after marriage? Probably with like a U-Haul or I don't know, <laughs> a moving truck. <laughs> These dead jokes. <laughs> um, with what we ended up doing was we had our house and we were renovating it before we um, got married. And then once we came back into or once we came back from our honeymoon, we moved in together. And for a good solid month, it felt like we were having sleepovers every night. It felt like we were sleeping at someone else's house. Like That's what my grandma said. She's like, oh, it just feels like you're sleeping over. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's it a does. sweet It's time. kind of weird because you're like, I've only lived at my parents' house or this apartment or, mm -hmm. you know, a college dorm. But now I'm getting married and have my own place and moving in with this other person who was my spouse, but still it's like you're figuring out living together. Yeah. And it's all fun too. I think one thing that I completely disagree with is when people say that you need to live with someone to know whether you want to marry them. I totally disagree with that because 
after you're married, you're going to make it work. Like, the, it, what are you going to learn that they don't pick up after themselves? They throw their laundry on the ground. Okay, cool. So you're not going to marry them because they throw their laundry on the ground. I don't understand. It's just an excuse. It's a cop out. You make it work. You don't yes. wait for it to work. You make it work. I like that. And yeah, just to add to that real quickly, I would say take it in phases. Don't feel like you have to do everything all at once. Or like rush. Exactly. Enjoy every process and every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next question also relates to marriage, but I promise you they're not all going to be marriage related um, or wedding related. But someone asked, did you plan your own wedding? And if you have any advice. So yes, we did. We were engaged for about a year and a half, which I think is like the perfect amount of time. But one thing I think is super important for all brides to remember is that you won't remember much of that day as much as you think you will. You probably won't. But what you will remember is the way that you felt. So don't focus on the little details. Um, don't focus. Nobody cares how the flowers were arranged and yeah, the yeah. table place settings and all that. Mm-hmm. And you guys know how I am. I love everything. Pinterest perfect. Everything very like well thought out and all of that and everyone was terrified of how I was going to be on the wedding day bridezilla yeah everyone was like Melina is going to be the worst bridezilla I want to be nowhere near her that day everyone just smile and wave at her like don't even do anything and I proved everyone wrong I was so chill I was so relaxed she was so relaxed it was almost just as equally frightening (laughs) because I had to pull her out off to the side at one point be like honey what's wrong what are you okay you're you're like cool with everything you're calm like what what did I do wrong? And yeah. she's like, no, it's just, I'm not going to worry about anything. Like whatever's going to happen is going to happen at this point. Mm-hmm. There's no sense, you know, not enjoying everything now. So Yeah. And I asked all my bridesmaids to try to handle everything as best as they could without having to consult me or without having to tell me. That was smart. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, like in my head, nothing went wrong the entire day. But at the end of the day, all my bridesmaids told me all the things that had gone wrong, but I had no idea. Ignorance is bliss. So <laughs> that's my suggestion is have your girlfriends help you. In this case, yes. You. Yes. Yeah. Have your girlfriends help you. Have them handle it because there's no, there's no way or there's no need to try to control everything. Just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the day. Smile for the pictures and wave. That's right. Good, good advice, honey. Next question, isn't it worse to just get married to have sex than to have sex before marriage? And this is a very, very, very valid question. That's fair, fair question. Yeah, because of the bad reputation that Christians have about them meeting each other and then three days later they're engaged in getting married. I feel like that's like... <laughs> getting married next week. Yeah, I feel like that's something that kind of happens more frequently in the Christian realm. Um, so I definitely understand this question, but Paul would definitely disagree with this yeah he said in first corinthians 7 7 it's better to get married than to burn with lust right so again paul's saying here yeah if you're burning with lust for somebody go get married don't stay engaged for 15 years or just date for 20 years like yeah he's saying no because god has given us sex as a gift and we cannot violate it because it's sacred because god is the one who created it so uh, to have sex outside of the bound of marriage is to be in engaging in sin, right? And if we're just going to say, well, this is okay, or, uh, you know, you need to experiment before to know that you want to actually marry this person, that's all nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, can, we could definitely have a whole episode dedicated to this because there's a lot more to say, but I think that would suffice for now. Well, and I was just going to add, if 
the way that the world does engagement and dating is very different than how Christians yeah, should be doing things. So this question definitely, or the thought behind it definitely has a worldly input on it of how long you should be engaged for. Like if you're just getting engaged and then quickly getting married or whatever, um, it, why not? You know, if you're, but the thing is you're obviously not getting married just to have sex. That's definitely an issue, but why not just, who cares if you get married within the same year and then get married? Like, I don't think that's, that's wrong. Obviously it might take a while for you to learn about each other and all of that, but it's part of the process too. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely check your heart as to why you're getting married. Cause if you're getting married just to have sex, then I think there's a dip, deeper issue. Yeah. And God gave us boundaries for a good reason, right? Mm -hmm. It's not to prohibit us from engaging in sex and enjoying all that sex is. It's so that we will enjoy it. Great example of this would be, imagine you have a house with a big backyard and tons of room for your kids to go play around and run around and stuff. But on the other side of a little berm behind your backyard is a busy street, tons of cars and trucks and all that all the time. You know, of course, one of the kids is going to kick the ball over the berm and they're going to go run out into the street, not look both ways and get hit by a car. So you as a loving, logical parent would put a fence up around the backyard in order to protect your child and to use the purpose of the backyard to be enjoyed mm -hmm. in its proper purpose, right? So in the same way, God has given us boundaries on sex and not just to get married to have sex, right? But to enjoy each other in marriage and sex being just a small slice of the pie. And that was something crazy for me because I remember like thinking, oh, wow, I can't wait to get married because we're just going to be having sex all the time. And that's not really the case. There's other things and other ways to enjoy intimacy and relationship with your spouse yeah. than just a physical pleasure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we could definitely dive into that more in another episode. But moving right along, number six. Our sixth question already. Wow. Should Christians get tattoos? Hmm. It's a good question. We're going to come right back to that in one minute. But first, a quick word from our friends at Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is a wellness company that mixes mushrooms with coffee, cacao, latte, protein powder, and edible skincare. I'm actually drinking some Four Sigmatic right now because, as you can probably tell, I'm a little under the weather still. I mean, I always sound like that, but... <laughs> um, I'm just trying to get my health back and I'm drinking uh, some Four Sigmatic coffee to give me that essential superfood mushroom power that I need. Uh, Four Sigmatic also has lion's mane, which is a mushroom that supports focus, productivity, and creativity during your busy day. And it also supports your immune system with antioxidant properties. And you're probably thinking, does this coffee taste like mushrooms? But I can guarantee no, it just tastes like regular coffee. It's not at all like any mushrooms. Uh, but even that, more so, moreover, it has zero sugar, zero carbs, and zero calories. It's also organic, vegan, paleo, sugar-free, and dairy-free. And for Milena and me both, mushroom coffee is very easy on our gut, and it doesn't leave us with any awful jittery feeling or crash. Just You just feel healthy and feel clean drinking it. And of course... They're giving you guys, as our Ask For Me and My House family, a special offer. 
receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic order. All you have to do is go to foursigmatic.com slash house or enter in code house at checkout. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash house to receive 15% off your first order. Thank you, honey. So should Christians get tattoos? I have tattoos. Yes. So I'm not going to say yes because I have tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) You're biased. No. Uh, Yeah. But when we read the Bible, it is all about context. Some passages for all people at all times and others, some people for some times. So we really have to focus and understand the context and the meaning of what is going on during that time when we're reading scripture. Um, So I think that's why a lot of people have confusions over certain topics like this, um, what women should wear, should they wear dresses, all that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's good to have these questions and to do an honest evaluation of what does God expect of me or what does God desire from me as a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when the idea of tattoos come up, people go back to the book of Leviticus that talks about not marking your body, right? So like Melina said, we need to understand the context of what's going on in this passage to understand uh, what the implications are. What does that mean for us? So Mm -hmm. again, uh, as we're looking at Leviticus, now remember the book of the Levites, the main theme here is you are a holy people and a royal priesthood. So God is commanding the Israelites to not mark their bodies, but why? Remember, God had just delivered Israel from Egypt out of slavery and captivity and out of the world, a picture of the world there, and that they've been called to be separate or different. They're now a wholly set-apart people. That's the whole purpose for Israel was to be this nation unto God, completely uh, consecrated and set apart for God, and that by every other nation that was in the world and doing all kinds of wickedness, they would look to Israel and see, wow, they are serving a great God. They know the one true God. I'm going to repent and follow them as their example. So that was the purpose and point that God had for Israel as the chosen nation out of all the other nations. So uh, tattoos would have been culturally an Egyptian tradition, which is where they just came out of. And that this was one that was very much linked to idol worship. And so based on what we understand contextually here, this command was given to them to say, look, the, the Egyptians are putting idols and carving things into their body as a form of worship or allegiance or dedication to a false god. So for the Israelites to be told, do not mark your bodies, was in the context of don't do what they were doing in Egypt to worship false gods. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the idea here is it's not so much getting a tattoo, it's what is it representing and what's the intention behind it? Yeah. And and actually in Revelations 19.16, it tells us that when Jesus returns, his name will be written on his thigh, kings of kings and lord of lords. So maybe Jesus will be tatted. Yeah, that's true. Just saying. So. Yeah. And anything can become idolatrous, right? Mm. It's all, again, your heart behind it. Yeah. So no tattoos aren't evil or wicked or outlawed by God. It's tattoos to false gods and any type, like if you carve a pentagram into your body because you're a Luciferian and you worship the devil, that's probably not 
something God's cool with, right? Yeah, yeah. But if, I, I, like, Milena has a triangle on her wrist to represent the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So I'll get questions about it all the time. It could be a great witnessing conversation starter, mm-hmm. right? Things yeah. like that. So it's all how you use it. All right, next question is, favorite memory of Aletheia in the first year? So mine is very recent, probably because it's just fresh in my mind. But my favorite memory so far has been us going on our cruise to celebrate hers and Jordan's birthday. It was so much fun. This child loved everything about it. A cruise is basically food, music, and buffets, which are Aletheia's three favorite things. She loves all the food. She was so excited about all of the food. She loves the music and dancing, and she loves to dance. I posted some Instagram stories on it, but she would get so excited seeing the people singing live and hearing the instruments live. And then water. She loves water. She loves her bath time. She loves splashing in the water. So she had a really good time, and it was perfect weather, so... That is probably my favorite memory is just like seeing how much enjoyment she got out of that. Yeah, it was really sweet. And all the dancing with the steel drums. And yeah, all that. it was so cute. Uh, yeah, I I agree. That was fun. But my favorite memory so far in her first year was the RV trip we took all around the state of Michigan last August. Yep. We never did anything like that before. It was just such a new, like novel idea. Uh-huh. And it was just a lot of fun. We got to explore some new places and it was very adventurous. We covered like 1300 miles I think total mm-hmm. so it was it was fun and one thing I'll say about that is we were in like a 25 foot RV so that meant Alethea was sleeping like five feet away from us in a little pack and play like we yeah. had our, our bed in the back and then kind of in the hallway aisle way was Alethea's pack and play so mm-hmm. I liked being close to her again because when bef- at this point she had just moved out into her old her own room uh-huh. and I was really sad because I'm like oh I miss when she would sleep right next to us in the mm-hmm. in our bedroom and I was like no she has to be in her own bedroom I know now. I had to push and fight so hard for us to get her out of her room when it was the appropriate time she was like six months when we took her out of her room yeah but I missed that so being back in the RV when she's only like five feet away was cute yeah I enjoyed that oh sweet all right next question is favorite thing about being parents like if you could pick one thing that's not it's a good question for me it would just be watching her process and her brain and see how like things click and come together for her it's so fun and that obviously comes with age so as bittersweet as it is that she's going to be turning one it's also just so enjoy like I'm enjoying all of it because I'm seeing how much she's learning and how much She's figuring things out. So the other day we were going to go to Ikea. So I was in the mudroom putting my shoes on, sitting on the bench, like zipping them up. And she was sitting on the floor and she saw Jordan's shoes and she like throws them up on the bench. And I was like, yeah, those are dad's shoes. And then I asked her because I was like, huh, maybe she'll like want to wear her shoes because girlfriend does not like shoes. So she's nodding her head. Yes. Looking at me. So I'm like, okay. So I put her up on the bench and I start ask her what shoes she wants. She picks it out and I'm putting it on her. But I'm like asking her continuously if she actually wants to wear them because most of the time she'll just throw her shoes off. But she kept nodding her head. Yes. So um, during this time, I feel like what she noticed was mom was wearing shoes. Dad would wearing shoes. So baby wants to wear shoes. And it was really sweet. How cute. Yeah, for me, that's something that's not typical would be seeing Alethea's reaction to seeing me like Milena will be bringing her down she'll be carrying her on her hip and then I'll come into the room 
and kind of look at her and her head will just turn really quickly and her eyes get really wide and mm-hmm. she's like oh, da, 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 da. <laughs> and she starts pointing at me that's just so cute to see how excited she gets to see me is i'll never get tired of that it's sweet that does her favorite word to say she'll like scream it all day da 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 at everything <laughs> it's so cute all right but next question is can you please do a podcast on how to understand the old testament so Jordan and Stefan kind of did an episode back. Um, it's called Behind the Scenes on how we study the Bible. And they do kind of dip and talk about how to apply them together of both of like what's in the New and Old Testament. Um, but we are going to be doing more Bible studies where we will go through both Old and New. We're not going to like pick one over the other. Um, but yes, the answer, short answer is yes, we can. Yeah, and we'd love to have Derry back on to talk about this too because he, he has some great perspectives on what exactly the Old Testament is and why it's un- misunderstood a lot, especially by Christians in the church today in the 21st century. Uh, but let me just touch on one misconception that I think a lot of this stems from that I know at least for me it did on why is the Old Testament so hard to understand. We also often think of it this way, like the Old Testament is for Jews, right, and the New Testament is for the church, uh, so you'll, you'll hear a lot of churches today just preaching out of the New Testament and only talking about, you know, Jesus and this, the Christian writings and that God is kind of like the, again, this is kind of the, the stereotype or, or what's assumed is God is this angry, you know, war loving, cold hearted God in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, he's this loving, you know, hippie Jesus movement kind of guy that's just all about love and peace and all this. And it's, it's a false dichotomy. The fact is that God is the same God in both the Hebrew Bible or old Testament and the Christian writings or the new Testament. And what's funny is I think when most people think, you know, the old Testament's just all these rules and laws and regulations and commandments. I don't want to be bound to that. I just want to, you know, love others and love people and just all about love. And actually over there are over 1000 commandments in the New Testament. So if we think we're escaping some sort of accountability or obligation, then we're sorely mistaken. And Jesus actually took the Old Testament and said, I've come in fulfillment of all of this. And Stefan and I talked a little bit about this in our episode on studying the Bible and things like that, of how does this all fit around Jesus? And he said, I've not come to abolish the law in the Old Testament. I've come to fulfill everything. So Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. But just to give you a quick uh, perspective here on knowing the, the Old Testament and looking for Jesus in the Old Testament, I just want to read a couple verses from Genesis 22, uh, which is the test of Abraham when God calls him to sacrifice his son Isaac. So I'll just read eight verses here, or 12 verses actually, and just give you a couple uh pauses to share a little a little bit on it and see what you guys think about Jesus in the Old Testament and understanding how he fits in everything. So Genesis 22 verse 1 says this, sometime later God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And note, notice that God 
said, take your son, your only son. Well, why did he say that? Because Abraham had other sons. He had Ishmael at this time. But Ishmael was born out of the promise that God gave Abraham, not within that promise. So and you could go read that story back earlier in Genesis. But Abraham had Ishmael, but God wasn't recognizing him. He was saying, your only son, Isaac. Since God told him to sacrifice Isaac at this point in time, it was as if Isaac was already dead to Abraham because he said, I'm going to be sacrificing my son. So I think John 3.16 here, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Might be a little, little connection there. Let's keep going. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Interesting. Three days later, we see a resurrection in verse 11. The place that Abraham saw in the distance was Calvary. And some 1,500 years later, or in the distance, right? This idea that this was a special place that God was going to come back and do something at. And again, Abraham says to the two servants that we will come back to you, which tells me that Abraham had to know that God would deliver Isaac somehow. Mm. Interesting. A couple more verses. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I think this is interesting because Abraham put the wood on Isaac, similar to Jesus carrying the cross of wood up that very same hill 1,500 years later. See John 19.17 for reference. And then the fire and the knife refer to judgment, fire, and sacrifice. The two of them went on together. The father and the son were together during the entire event in total agreement. It's Again, Jesus and the Father in agreement on the plan of salvation, John 10.30. And also, could Isaac's question be symbolic of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane that we see in Matthew 26.42? Like, he's questioning the Father, saying, is there any other way, right? Jesus says, could, is there any other way? And Abraham's saying, or Abraham and Isaac are having this question and answer conversation like, you know, I, I got to go through with this, but I don't, I don't know why, right? Abraham answered in verse 8, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And in this verse, it implies that Abraham believed by faith that God would provide a substitute sacrifice, like a lamb, for example, John 1, 29 and 36. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. 
Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. I think that's just interesting because we can see this idea of Abraham by faith giving his sacrifice. And now the next time that this happens, God himself will sacrifice his own son, but the hand won't be stopped again until until Jesus pays the price. So all that to say, things like this in the Old Testament, were like, what's going on here? Why is God commanding Abraham to take his son and sacrifice him? I thought God was against all this child sacrifice that the pagans were doing. This is for a reason and for a purpose, and it was foreshadowing the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would give us on the cross. So mm-hmm. things like that. That's just one example. Um, that's the longest answer that we're going to have, so <laughs> appreciate you guys bearing with me, but I just wanted to really do justice to this question because... Um, a lot of people do struggle with this, and we struggle with this too, mm-hmm. even today. So yeah. just look for Jesus in the Old Testament, and you will find him. Yes. Amen. Um, <laughs> next question. <laughs> yes. Go on. Next one. All right. What is the thing that surprised you the most about marriage? And when I thought of this question, I kind of thought back of when we have had first gotten married, because I feel like that's the newlywed stage. That's like when you're going through the first things and like that's probably when you'll get the most surprised but for me it was how much sex we weren't having (laughs) (laughs) like I honestly thought like oh once we get married once we're living together there's no fault of mine I hope you know (laughs) (laughs) I'm just I'm only honest I'm only serious but like you would think like okay once you get married you can be having sex like three times a day that was not the case at all (laughs) Like, even on the honeymoon, I thought that, but that wasn't really the case. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I just thought we'd be having a lot more sex than we were. Um, And a lot of my friends, too, when they got married and moved in together, they were like, yeah, like, I thought we'd be doing it all the time, and we're really (laughs) not. It's just, I don't know. You kind of have this this expectation of, like, oh, now that we can finally do it, we're going to be doing it all the time, and that's not true. We had dishes to do instead. (laughs) That's true. I mean, you could do dishes naked if your blinds are down, right? (laughs) Okay, but I don't. <laughs> uh, I would say for me, uh, it, I kind of relate to that too. But I would say even more so, the thing that surprised me most about marriage is that sleeping together sucks. <laughs> and I don't mean like <laughs> sexually sleeping together. Like, like I mean literally sleeping together. Like, mm-hmm. like having to share the bed. Milena will sprawl and flail and kick me and hit me and pull the covers off of me at night. And then I'll ask her in the morning, honey, like I'm all bruised, black eyes. And like, honey, what what happened last night? She's like, huh? Oh, I don't remember that. I'm like, no, you do. You remember punching me and telling me move over. But No, I don't remember that. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to uh, sleep together sometimes. Like I thought we would just be all cuddly and cozy and like she'd be sleeping on my chest every single night and we'd just look like a commercial or something like that, but... No, we don't. So no, and I'm not. We, much, we like our own space, our own blankets, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not a big cuddler now, especially when I'm pregnant. I don't know. It's just not. It's not comfortable to me. So maybe one day we'll try again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one is: What should I do with an unbelieving family member? And this is a really tough question. And yeah, it's sometimes, a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, but honestly we might not be the ones that lead our mom, dad, or sister, brother, sibling, aunt, and uncle to the Lord, but we can always be praying for wisdom on how we can 
just genuinely witness to them without like shoving the Bible down their throat. Yes. Yeah. And just honestly, by the way that you walk in your faith, by how you react to certain situations, just living your life like a Christian, like Christ. Um, I think that is a much bigger witness than being like, well, the Bible says you can't do this or, oh, you're doing that. Yeah, you don't want to be the Ned Flanders to your family. Yeah. But you also, like, I've I've felt this burden before. It's like, there's people that I love in my family that don't know the Lord. And every chance I get to, every holiday and every vacation we spend with them, I need to be just bringing out my Bible and preaching the gospel to them and giving them the, the, you know, the Romans road down to salvation kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, maybe God won't use me as the person to bring them to the to the Lord, but mm-hmm. I could be praying that he brings somebody, right? Yeah. And then still be, like Melana said, on on our guard, because they are watching, right? They're always going to see how we act and talk and respond to things. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's key. But just to be praying that the Lord will bring the right person along to share the gospel and it falls on good soil, right? Yeah, yeah. That those seeds are planted, so... Like like Paul said, I watered uh, Apollos, or I planted Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. So only God can grow somebody's faith. Only God can save somebody. Mm-hmm. We can just be obedient in how the Holy Spirit prompts us in each moment. So mm-hmm. just be sensitive to that and pray for wisdom. Yes, and pray for them. I think prayer is something that yes, people tend to idea. forget to do. I think prayer is so powerful. So just be praying for your family members. Yes. All right. Next question. Probably my favorite one. Do you think Jesus is coming soon? If so, when? I mean, some (laughs) people say the next nine years. So in case you guys like didn't hear, it was trending on Twitter. Jesus is coming next Tuesday. Yes, that's right. So we should all definitely be prepared the day after Lacey's birthday. Of course. (laughs) But no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's like a running joke that Derry has. Anytime that we talk about the rapture, Jesus coming back or anything like that, he always jokes and says it's next Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but nobody knows in Matthew 24, it says no one knows the day or the hour that the Lord will be coming back. Not even Jesus, right? In his humanity, he's kind of set that aside, which a lot of people think is, you know, how do, how does this work? Like, is Jesus God, but he doesn't know, but the father knows like, like help me understand this. And there's an article I'm going to link down below, um, from the gospel coalition, which is a great resource. Um, it, the article is called Jesus Did You Know? And it's written by a guy named D. D. Blair Smith. And he says this in his article. He says that Jesus' human nature doesn't limit his divine nature. As God, the Son doesn't lose his omniscience, nor does the divine morph the human as man. His human mind doesn't become omniscient, just as his body doesn't become omnipresent. Rather, these natures with all their properties commune within the one person who then performs actions according to both natures. So that's just a fancy schmancy way of saying Jesus was in his humanity and chose to limit certain things of his divinity while he was here on earth. So he said, look, nobody knows the day or the hour. I don't even know when the father's going to tell me to return. Mm -hmm. So I'll link this uh, article for future reading or Mm -hmm. for, for your reference, but what I did think is interesting is Jesus said, we will know the signs of his return mm-hmm. when his return is coming near, like a woman in labor having, you know, childbirthing pains. 
that the contractions happen more frequently and more intensely mm-hmm. as the baby's about to come, right? Yeah. So Jesus likened that. He likened the return of his his return to the days of Noah. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the return of the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be when the Son returns, right? Yeah. And you got to understand what exactly is was going on in the days of Noah and in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah that would warrant such action to be taken place that, that God did because God sent a worldwide flood to Noah in his days. So if it was just because people were acting really bad and a lot of wickedness, then we should get our life jackets because God could send a flood again, even though he promised not to. But the point being, there was something other than just wickedness and, and sin going on. There was something even worse, greater harm and, and danger. So not getting into that too much right now, but go check out Chuck Missler on YouTube. He's our His, his ministry is our friends over at K-House. Um, it's the late Chuck Missler. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago, but he has some great teachings on this. Um, if you just look at Jesus' return or the end times, um, he presents things very biblically and, and accurately, I think. so. Yes, and Derry has a lot of wisdom on this too. So if you guys would like us to do an episode all about the rapture, the millennium, end times, and all of that, we would love that. To me, I find it very interesting. There, there's, there's so much in scripture that we get look goes over our head that we don't realize and dairy like dives so deep into it so if you guys want that we could definitely do that but before we continue we are going to take a short break to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors and that is attitude so like we just talked about how we've been having our struggle with sleeping together like that is always a thing um we always wake up hot and sweaty and we thought that the problem was our mattress or is it just me? But actually it was our sheets. So attitude sheets are incredible. They stay nice and cool throughout the night and they're so soft. If you guys haven't heard of clean bamboo, it is like the holy grail of fabric. Um, so they are bamboo sheets, but they're clean bamboo and it's the third generation of bamboo bedding technology. And it is absolutely amazing. Um, our attitude sheets are feathery, soft and beautiful. It looks so nice on the bed. We obviously got the white one. Um, but like we mentioned, it has organic cleaning bamboo, which is extremely breathable. So it helps regulate your temperature to improve your quality of sleep. And the best part is that it's actually better for the environment. So organic clean bamboo recycles 89% of the water that it uses. So it's the most sustainable bedding available. Cotton actually used tons of pesticides and waste water. So it can be very harmful to the environment. So why not try Attitude? These sheets are amazing and have a 30-day risk-free trial. So if you're not fully satisfied, you can return your sheets with a full refund. And even better, they cover the shipping, um, the cover, they cover the cost of shipping on the return. Yeah, so the reason we love Attitude is because they're as soft as silk, as breathable as linen, but at the price of cotton. You're going to love them. When you support our sponsors you support our show and right now our listeners will get 20 percent off their sheet set and free shipping just text bed to sixty-four thousand. the only way to get 20 percent off your set of attitude sheets and free shipping is to text bed to sixty-four thousand. that's b-e-d to sixty-four thousand. and with that what is our next question honey when was the first moment you realized, wow, I love him slash her? 
You want to say it on three? Oh, sure. One, two, three. Our, Our first, first date. <laughs> and I know this Ugh, sounds so cringe. cringy and like so annoying, but honestly, it's true. We were really young. I was 15, but I remember just feeling so giddy and so excited. That was like my first real date. I was actually Jordan's first girlfriend. Um, he was 17, but... Yeah, on our first date, I remember coming home and I was like, Mom, I'm going to marry this guy. I said the same thing to my parents. They asked, yeah. how was your date? I was like, oh, it was perfect. Yeah. I'm going to marry Milena. And like, I don't definitely don't believe at love at first sight or any of that. But just, it, I just had a feeling. I just. Yeah, there's like a piece about it. Everything just made sense. Yeah, yeah. I looked in Milena's eyes and all was well in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's cliche, it's cheesy, it's corny, but it's actually true, so yeah. we got to say it. Yeah. Um, next is, when are you coming out with merch? And this is very soon, guys. I think people don't understand how hard of a process merch can be to come out with. because It seems like a lot of YouTubers just pump out merch left and right, but most of the time they're compromising quality over, or quantity over quality. Yes. And y'all know how picky I am. So I try really hard to get really nice fabrics, really nice prints, like things that people will want to use and like look really cute with like normal outfits, not just like merch stuff. Like I don't want our merch to look like merch. I want it to like be really cute where you can actually wear it every day. So that is something that we're still working on. It takes a while to perfect, but be on the lookout. Yeah, don't sleep on it. We'll let you guys know and we'll make sure to tell you several times. You'll know. So you won't miss it. All right, moving along here. Next question. Has it been difficult to stay strong in your faith as a YouTuber or podcaster? So I think where this person is coming from is more of a question of like, is it hard to be a YouTuber that's a Christian? And like, do I get backlash for like for that? Or do I get a lot of hate comments? And honestly, that's not something I've really had to struggle with because for as long as I've been doing YouTube, I've been a Christian. So my audience has always known and expected of that. And when they come to the channel, they see that and I don't get much backlash for it. But one thing that I have struggled with, um, is just how I share my intimate time, like my special time with the Lord. And I'm sharing that with thousands of people, um, for a while. And I've talked about this before, but there was a period where anytime I would read the Bible or do any church notes or anything like that um my heart wasn't always in the right place and sometimes I would do it with the intention of doing it for myself but more so for the intention of me to post it and encourage others with it which isn't entirely wrong like my intention was to encourage others Mm -hmm. but also my intention was to encourage others it wasn't for myself so there was a long period of time where I actually wasn't posting any of that and the reason for that is because I wanted to read my bible do my church notes and spend time with the Lord because I wanted to not because I wanted to share, share it and show others. So I got a lot of backlash and a lot of people were upset that I wasn't doing it, but just know that I needed to go through a period of not doing it to know that I was doing it for the right reasons. So for me, that has actually been the struggle of it on my end. Yeah, no, that's very commendable, honey. Cause I think recognizing that and being strong enough to admit that is very uh, encouraging and just gives shows me um, how much you take this seriously and worthy of all respect. So, yeah, it's fantastic. I would say, too, um, even though I'm operating on a very micro scale 
<laughs> compared to Melina. But I would say social media kind of dehumanizes us in a way that as you're listening to this right now, whether you're driving or working out or doing chores or whatever, it's so easy to just forget that on the other side of the, that speaker where your sound is coming out of is a person, is a human. Mm-hmm. Like we're just normal, regular people like you guys who just happen to do YouTube videos and a podcast, right? So there's nothing really unique or special about us that we become like some untouchable. Like think of your the most famous celebrity that you think of in your mind. Like they're still a human. They're still a regular person, right? They're not above humanity or above normalcy. So social media, I think, has this tendency to let me cut and edit and shop, Photoshop and filter and all, and basically create something that's not human or superhuman. And then therefore now I no longer have like my identity and my personality, right? And it's, it's just easier to mock or criticize or th- hurl insult at somebody when you've dehumanized them and taken their humanity away from them. So, you know, Melana's dealt with that, her, had her share, her, her fair share, but so many people in like the social media, um, YouTube, podcast world, it's very easy for them to be like a dartboard that people throw at, you know, because... Mm-hmm. They just forget that they're real people too. Well, and just like Celeste and I talked about um, on ending the comparison trap, I feel like one thing that we touched on was how when you're unhappy with your life, you like you tend to judge, gossip, and hate on other people. And I think a lot of the times that's where a lot of this yeah, it's stems internal, from. Yeah, for sure. yeah. So most of the time, I don't take it personally. I honestly just pray for them and kind of pity them because it must be. It's so sad. It's so sad that you can just say all this stuff about someone you do not know at all. So um, I don't take it personally. I know I just, whoever they're lashing out on. All right. Next question is how do you manage boundaries with in-laws? Example of one, please. So this is something that we've definitely had our fair share of um, having to deal with. I think it's probably one of the most difficult things about marriage is marrying each other's family and bringing two separate families together um, and kind of figuring out the boundaries and figuring out what's appropriate and you and your spouse becoming your own family and figuring out what it is that you guys want to do. Um, I will say we did struggle with it a lot more right when we got married. And then when Alethea came into the picture, then we struggled it with again because everyone wants to be with the grandchild. But now I feel like we're at a really good place now. Like I feel like we've figured everything out but I will say a lot of it does stem from miscommunication so just a quick example on Christmas day this was Alethea's first Christmas and we obviously wanted to spend time together us three but we also wanted to spend time with Alethea and my parents Alethea and Jordan's parents um so there was just a lot of miscommunication so we wanted everyone to have their own separate times but my family was still going to be over and then Jordan's family was going to come and my parents would still be here. So they weren't going to get their own time. So we definitely had to figure that out and all of it could have easily been avoided if we had just scheduled and communicated like, Hey, you guys can come around this time. You guys can come around this time. So you can each get your own time and whatever. It like sounds so small and silly, but if we would have just communicated everything, we would have been able to avoid some hard feelings and hurt feelings and whatnot. But yeah, I think yeah, just that's just like a quick example. Extending so much grace in all of this as we're managing boundaries, I think that's the key thing is with all these boundaries and expectations and guidelines you're setting, communicate 
very well, like try your best to maybe even feel like you're overly communicating, but just so everybody's clear Yeah. and make sure that people are clear on expectations and then just extend grace. And that's kind of the only best way to do it. <laughs> yeah. In our opinion. Mm-hmm. Next question. Yeah. Go ahead. How do you make time for just the two of you? We suck at this. So if you guys got any advice for us, we'd be all ears to hear it. Yep. But yeah, yeah, we're just being honest. Like we really don't prioritize making time for each other and we need to. Like We, we do need prioritize to. date night and that's once a week, but that is not enough to keep a marriage flowing. Yes. So we, yeah, we definitely struggle with this. It became a struggle once Alethea came into the picture. It's been even more so harder now that we have Stefan and Celeste living here because we're always all together all the time. It's not like we just ever have downtime. It's just Jordan and I. So we definitely have to be intentional and plan and make sure we carve it in to spend time together daily. Um, But yeah, we suck at it and we need to work on it. But first step is admitting it. So here we are (laughs) admitting that we suck at this. And we need to work on it. Yeah, so stay tuned. We'll we'll give you guys an update on that and some yeah. things that we've found that would work well. Mm-hmm. All right, next question is, I often feel anxious. What should I do? Mm. And I definitely feel you on this. Um, and honestly, one of the most reoccurring words that we see on our Facebook group is anxiety and anxious. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with. And I don't think that it would be, it would do, we would be able to do its due diligence to just quickly answer this in a Q and a. Yeah. We can't really give like a two minute answer to something so loaded and and deep. So we're going to take all of next month, the month of March to focus on emotional and mental wellness together Mm -hmm. and just try to unpack it and take it in chunks and take it in bites with you guys because we think there's so much here and so many people uh struggle with it like Mm -hmm. nobody's immune to that no no matter who you are right like Mm -hmm. everybody deals with it at some level yeah of anxiety and anxiousness so yeah we will uh be rolling out some more stuff some more content next month kind of focusing on that so stay tuned yes um real quick I'm going to take another break to talk to you guys about our last sponsor, and that is Majuri. So what if I told you that you can wear fine jewelry every day without it costing a fortune or without you having to wait for a hand-me-down for grandma, from your grandma or grandpa? Um, They have ethically sourced fine jewelry without having to choose between high quality and fair price. And the most exciting thing is that they are dropping new pieces every Monday that are very timeless that you can wear from day to night and are versatile enough to be used with pretty much everything. Their stuff is so stinking cute. And we're talking about 14 karat solid gold pieces here, like very high quality pieces that aren't going to scratch. It's not going to get um, make your finger all green. If you have sensitive skin, this is great for you too. And you will have these for a lifetime. So everything is very low maintenance, but high quality. And because fine jewelry is precious, but we don't want to have to be precious about it. You don't want to have to take it off every time you shower. It's just really great stuff. So head to majuri.com slash house for 10% off your first order. That's M E J U R I. 
com slash house for 10% off your order. I highly encourage you guys to check out their pieces. They have so many cute pieces. It's right up my alley, probably right up your alley too. So make sure to check it out. And we will also have that linked down below for you guys. Next question. How would you handle it if your kids decided not to follow Jesus? <laughs> I feel like I don't have like a one word answer for this. Yeah, it's kind of hard I, to know like how how you would respond or how you would feel about something in the future that you don't hasn't happened yet, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're kind of speculating or pro- projecting out, but um I f- I would say our hearts would be, you know, saddened not because you know, they were supposed to do what we told them to do and mm-hmm. we're never going to force ourselves and command them to follow Jesus, but because of the lost joy that we we know so well and we get to experience in our following Jesus that mm-hmm. they won't get to. Yeah. Um, we were actually talking to one of our friends, Andrew. He was a pastor um, for the student ministry at our church, and he told us that around 80% of children that are raised in the church um, so they're raised in the church and then by the time they enter like high school, college period where like they are, they can do their own thing. Their parents aren't making them go to church every weekend. They're out of the house and all that. Um, that 90 or 80% of them leave the church. And the main reason why is because of based on how they witness their parents' faith. Mm. The 20 ish percent that stayed around stayed around because they saw how their parents' faith impacted their lives and how their it was parents- real. Yes, yeah. they saw how their parents lived their faith because it's so hard. I mean, and that's that's for people who were raised in the church. So that's a whole nother, that's very difficult. Um, yeah. But I think that says a lot. So I think Jordan and I have, and parents have a huge responsibility to not only say what, say what you're going to say, but live your faith and use that as an example, which is really hard. It's really hard to do that. And it puts a lot of pressure on yourself as a parent, but- yeah, because you def- could be a perfect parent too, right? And do everything everything by the book, and your kid still doesn't doesn't end up that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I just, yeah, it's hard. I don't know exactly how I'll react. I'll obviously be saddened. We'd be like the f- the father of the prodigal son, I think. Mm-hmm. When and we're not going to disown her. Like that's right. It's not like you're dead to me. Yeah, but the father and the prodigal son story that jesus tells in in luke i think it's 11 or 15 somewhere around there but he the father just lovingly allowed the son to do what he willed god's never going to force himself on you it's always a choice and he's never he's never going to say you must love me you must worship me Mm -hmm. he's always going to give you a choice so in that same vain in that same regard we would do the same with our kids like i know this is the best i know this is true joy and hopefully you've seen us model that but we can't force you yeah and that would be with tears in our eyes mm-hmm. exactly and then lots of prayers moving forward absolutely um Derry actually went through this with one of his sons how many how many kids does Derry have five yeah, four five yeah so if that's something that you guys would like it's a praise story because it ended up turning out, but um, he could definitely talk to you guys about that and how that all went through. Yeah. But, all right. 
Last question. Last question. All right, let's do it. What was the most drastic change since having Aletheia? For me, that would be like time management and having personal time because there is no time for you to do anything. I can't pee without having her look at me. I can't <laughs> grab a glass of water without her wanting for me to hold her. Like, I hear her upstairs playing on the piano yeah, right now. So, yeah. so it's like never a dull moment. Yes. Like it's, yeah, there's definitely like, it's great because you're never alone, but it's like not so great because you're never alone. So there, it's just hard having to find a balance between being you like me, Milena, and then me, mommy, Milena, which I think is something a lot of women struggle with is like just finding their identity and become and being moms and not mm. anything else. So I think that was the most drastic change is just like having this human being relying on you that I have to like literally feed and keep alive. Like I told Jordan, like we should be celebrating right now because we've been able to keep a human alive for a full year. Yeah. That's, that's no small feat, right? Yeah. What would you say? I would say just, um, realizing how selfish I am. Ah, yes. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) what would you say? Mr. Selfish, selfish, selferton. I'm like, I'm like, no, I've realized this on my own. Um, just like, like Melina said, you don't really know where you as an individual ends and where you as a parent starts. There's kind mm-hmm. of a blurred line there where yeah. you still need like you time, even if you're like, I'm the most extra extroverted person in the world. And I still like some time just to chill or go off to the gym and not have to worry about like Melina calling me and saying, where are you? Alethea needs to eat and go to bed and mm-hmm. have a bath and all this stuff. And to be able to like enjoy those things and giving time and space for each other mm-hmm. as well, like as a couple, um, something we could definitely work on. But um, yeah, just trying to like navigate how do I not be selfish, but still get things done that need to get done for me and for us, right? Um, yeah, it's been tough, but it's been great. Like I wouldn't change it for anything. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't say, eh, Give Alethea back to the stork. I need some more me time, you know. (laughs) Like that's not what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, we love being parents, but we're just being real. Like it's a long learning curve. Yeah, and it's as equally uh, drastic change for the better as it is, you know, your enjoyment of it. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our questions. Thank you guys for sending them in and asking them away. We will be leaving links to anything that like any resources that we might have, any additional things that we think will be insightful to you guys, as well as our Facebook group. If you guys haven't joined already, there's so many of you on there and it's been so encouraging and so amazing. Um, And we will finish out with our prayer requests. So you want to talk about this one, honey? Yeah, this is actually um, nobody's that sent in anything, but we had a uh, death of a very close family friend. Um, They lost their father and their husband earlier this week. So uh, he was like a uncle to me and Milena Mm -hmm. and just the sweetest guy in the world. We're not going to say their name just for their privacy and to respect them. But um, yeah, it's just, it's very sad. He battled cancer for about eight years and was put into hospice for about the last week or so of his life. And, he had his whole family there with him and found out he was going to be a grandfather soon before he passed and uh, that his youngest son was going to be getting married soon as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's very heartbreaking and we just want to lift them up in prayer for, for the family uh, moving forward. 
Lord, uh, we just cry with you. We weep with you, Lord. And at the, um, the whole concept of death, Lord, it's just heartbreaking and we know it grieves you. So God, we ask that uh, you just draw close to uh, the family and just be with them in their time of mourning and grieving and suffering and uh, just feeling really, really sad. Lord, we know that you identify with us in our suffering and in our pain, um, but we know that you are also greater than our suffering and our pain and greater than even death, Lord, that you uh, rose again on the third day to give us victory over that, that we will again see our friend in heaven. And in the meanwhile, Lord, will you just bandage the wounds and shower them in your grace and in your mercy and in your love uh, even in the coming months and years as something like this will hit in waves and it'll be better days than others. Lord, in those bad days, will you just remind them uh, how much you love them? All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, honey. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Bye.